Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Simplify Jesus, where we're breaking barriers through communication. Today, we are discussing the book of Deuteronomy. We promised we would recap everything that we've been talking about. So let's recap real quick. Where did we leave off? So we left off with the story of Moses with uh, Balak and Balaam in this story. Um, this was this was last week's episode, of course. And uh, from here, Joshua was commissioned as the next leader of Israel to lead them into the promised land. Now, we get to tell you what led up to this. And uh, starting way back in the beginning of when Moses came on the scene. So uh, we're not going to bore you with a whole bunch of details. We already went over those. Yeah. Uh, those are the last, what, five or six episodes? Oh, of, at least, yeah. If not more. Let's see. One. Oh, no. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve episodes leading up to this one. So, <laughs> so if you want details, go back and listen to those. If you want a quick summary, this is a perfect one for you. That's right. So, where are we at, Matt? Where did Moses come in the scene? Like you said, Deuteronomy is all about Moses reminding the people of where they've been, right? Of, of retelling the story, where they've been, how God has moved, how they got here. And so that's what we want to do today is talk about Moses' life, um, all the big things that God did, and some of the areas where they slipped up, some of the areas where they did well, but kind of tell the story of how they got here and how they got to this point. And so starting at the very beginning of Moses' life, um, he was born during a time when Pharaoh uh, did not like the Hebrews, he felt threatened by them. Uh, in fact, he said things like, if we don't enslave these people, then they're going to conquer us. When other nations attack us, they're going to join with our enemies. And so he enslaved the Israelites. Uh, but he also said uh, that all Hebrew boys that were born were to be killed, that they, that they, they weren't going to be allowed to live. The daughters were allowed to live, but the boys were told to be, to be killed. And so, during this time was when Moses was born, but his mom had faith. His mom kept him alive for a little while, but there came a certain point where she couldn't hide him anymore. So she put him in a basket, covered the basket with black pitch and put him in the Nile, just hoping that somebody would find him. Well, as a matter of fact, Pharaoh's daughter was down at the river at that time, uh, saw the basket coming, saw baby Moses and took him in. Pharaoh's daughter uh, commissioned them to go find a Hebrew mother who could nurse him. They went and got his mom, so his mom got to nurse him until he was a little bit older, and then he ended up growing up as Pharaoh's daughter's son in the palace, and uh, yeah, it was just just a crazy start to his story there. You know, I wonder. It's funny. I don't know that I brought this up in the last episode. I know we talked in a little bit of detail about how his mom happened to be the one that was there right. to be the one to nurse him and, and take care of him, and so she still got to be with her son. Yeah. Just wasn't her son anymore, right. uh, as far as anybody knew. I wonder if people questioned, hey, how are you able to nurse him? Where's your kid? Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, it it brings up a good point, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know what they were thinking, um, how they came up with that. Be, because they were allowed to, they were still allowed to have daughters and, and keep their daughters. So, but if she just had Moses, she didn't have another kid just right. now. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Funny coincidence. Hey, look, I've got somebody right here. Yeah. That <laughs> um, happens to be able to nurse, but doesn't have a kid. Hmm. We're not going to question that. Uh, you know. So while he was in the palace, he uh, was out and about. Again, grew up in, in Pharaoh's household there. But 
he went out and he saw a Hebrew man um, that was getting beaten by an Egyptian. Again, they were enslaved. And so, um, unfortunately, that was part of it. And, and Moses saw it and he was like, wait a minute, that's that's one of my people. That's one of my kinfolk there. And so he actually killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand, thought nobody saw it, that it was, you know, not that it wasn't a big deal, but that he got away with it. But as he was talking around, he figured out that the Israelites, other Israelites, had seen this happen and knew about it. And as soon as he figured that out, the word was getting around town. He took off and fled for Midian because Pharaoh was out to get him. So he took off to Midian out in the wilderness. Out there he got married, had a couple of kids, and kind of settled in for a little while. But uh, this was really just the beginning of his story. So again, he was out there long enough that he got married and had some kids. But but while he was out there in Midian, God called him to lead the people out of Egypt. And uh, this is one of those defining moments in the Bible. One of those stories that, that you, even if you, you know, didn't grow up in church stuff, you may have heard of before, where God spoke to him through a burning bush. And this bush, it was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. So Moses was attracted to it. He came and, and had to check it out. And God spoke to him and said, hey, I'm commissioning you to lead my people out of Egypt. Um, he had some hesitations. Uh, he, you know, he said, I'm not a good speaker. I, you know, how am I going to do this? Will the people even follow me? But God reassured him and said, Hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to be with you. You, you don't need to bring the power to the table. I got you covered. Moses agreed. Um, and he also gave him his brother, Aaron, uh, who was going to be a spokesman. The way the way God described, I actually just recently read this in my my personal Bible study that um, Moses would be like God before Pharaoh, and Aaron would be his prophet. Um, that Aaron would be the the spokesperson, the mouthpiece for him. And so that was Aaron's role in the midst of that. Uh, the other thing that we see here is that Moses asked God, "Okay, so this is all great, but but who am I going to tell him sent me?" And God gives him his covenant name. He says, I am that I am. That name in Hebrew is Yahweh. And that is that is the covenant name between God and the Israelites, saying that I always have been, I always will be, and I'm going to be with you today. So that brings up two questions. First, by the time God spoke to Moses, he was al- Moses was already pretty old, right? He was in, like in his 70s. 70s. So... And and we're saying this is just the beginning yeah. <laughs> for him um, when that would be the end for us these days. Yeah. Uh, second, the Pharaoh was out killing all of the boys, mm-hmm. but Moses has a brother. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, what the age difference is. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if he stopped, stopped that, you know, proclamation or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, is he his actual brother or is he... Well, yeah, he would be. He would be a Israelite. Yeah. So these are things that did not get addressed in the last yeah. twelve episodes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and it, and it makes you wonder where, you know, how crafty were uh, the Israelites? I mean, maybe they were just really good at at hiding them until they were old enough. It's like, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you yeah. know, and and yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. I I actually hadn't thought about that. Um, there had to be some kind of change there um, that that led to that. Maybe it was a difference in leadership. A new pharaoh came in or something. I, you know, I'm not sure, but it's... Uh, so, yeah, it doesn't mention if there was a different pharaoh or not mm-hmm. from the time he was born to the time he was given the place. Yeah. But if he was 70, well, I mean, I guess if everybody was living be. longer, yeah, it could either be 
the same one or it could be different. Mm-hmm. See, we're not all about just trying to explain everything in the Bible. We got questions too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we don't we don't have all the answers. So after God calls him and, and reassures him and commissions Aaron, uh, Moses goes back into Egypt and uh, he goes and talks to the Israelites and the people are on board. All right, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get out of, get out of Egypt, get out of slavery. Of course, Pharaoh, on the other hand, was not happy about this. He's got his whole workforce here who were making bricks and, um, and building cities for him. And so his response was, Hey, if you've got all this time to think about getting out of here, I'm going to increase your workload because obviously you don't have enough to do. So uh, previously the Egyptians gave them all the materials they needed to make the bricks, uh, straw and I'm assuming water and um, that sort of thing. Now the Israelites had to go collect their own straw to make the bricks. That was that was the, the increased workload. But they still had to hit the same quota. There was no reduction in expectation other than they've got to go get their own straw. So, of course... This is not good. This isn't going to fly with God. He's called Moses in to get his people out of there. And so God sends 10 different plagues on Egypt. And just to recap real quick, the first one, he turned water into blood. Um, The second one, he sent frogs everywhere, even into homes and says they were bouncing around on the beds and all that stuff. He sends gnats over the land, swarms of flies. He destroyed all the Egyptian livestock while the Hebrew livestock were left alone. He sent boils on all of the Egyptians and their animals. He sent hailstorms. The hail was so big that it literally killed people, killed animals. But it didn't hit. affect the Israelite or the Hebrew area. Right. Exactly. And even interesting with the hailstorm specifically is Egyptians who feared God at this point and were like, hmm, this is a real thing. Everybody was warned that this was coming. And so they, you know, if they kept their people inside, they were fine. But Mm. it was people who didn't believe in God, who didn't believe that God would do it, that were affected by that. Mm. Then he sent locusts over the land. And the ninth plague was he sent darkness over the whole land of Egypt. And so after these nine plagues, Pharaoh still at this point, he's kind of gone back and forth. Like, okay, I'll let you go, but you can only do this. Or, okay, I'll let you go, but that. Or just saying, no, I changed my mind. I don't want you to. But before the final plague, uh, God gave the uh, Israelites special instructions. He told them, I'm going to come in and an angel is going to come through and kill the firstborn in every household. But there is a way out. And so the Israelites were instructed to uh, take a lamb and kill it and roast it. That was going to be their meal that night. And take some blood of that lamb and put it on the lintel or on the, the doorpost of their home and if the angel saw blood on the doorpost of the home then he would pass over that house and that became known as the passover meal and the passover uh, which led to the passover festival and so that's true for the israelites i'm sure that would have been true for the egyptians too if they believed and and followed in that but the final plague the final nail in the coffin so to speak was god did just what he said he sent an angel and took out the firstborn in every home uh, specifically with the egyptians and so finally, after that, Pharaoh let the people go. Which just goes to show that if that is the case, well, I think I would agree that that would be the case. If he if he spared people the hailstorm because mm-hmm. they believed in, in him, mm-hmm. you, you have to think that they all got the memo and mm-hmm. did the blood thing and, and yeah. were, were passed over, right? And And I love that because it just goes to show it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. If you believe, then God's got you back. Yeah. 
that's really what it's all about. And we talked about that a little bit with Balak and Balaam last week, right? That um, Balaam was a prophet that wasn't one of the Israelites, but you know, somehow along the way, he got he knew that you know there's only one God out there, and he worshiped that God, and that's you know the God of the Israelites. And so, you know, even not being somebody from the nation of Israel his his faith was intact and so that's why he was able to do what he did and and was a priest um it's all it's all about belief it's not about your bloodline or anything like that and so it's yeah it's it's very comforting for us to to know that that it's it is about it's it's about the personal decision of who am i going to believe who am i going to follow in this life which is why we as americans as people Mm -hmm. who i've never been to israel i've never seen that side of the world Mm -hmm. um I've, i've just we can all be saved by God. Mm-hmm. We can all be saved by Jesus. And I've just heard this argument so many times. Well, all of this happened in the Middle East. It doesn't apply to us. And and that's not true. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you come from. What matters is, like you just said, it's your heart, what you believe. And do you believe in Jesus or not? Yeah. And if you believe that he is the son of God that died on the cross and rose the third day, mm-hmm. then you're golden. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to want to make you change your heart. Yeah. Which is what Moses was trying to do to the Pharaoh. Right. Exactly. But uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh didn't ever really come around. And in fact, he, he let the people go initially and, and they got out there a few days ahead. But um, eventually Pharaoh realized that he lost his whole workforce. Everybody that was building these cities for him that he had control over, um, they were gone. And so he took his army and went out after him. And so the Israelites find themselves uh, out here in the middle of nowhere. They've got Pharaoh's army coming up behind them. They've got the Red Sea in front of them, nowhere to go. And uh, God provided a big moment. Uh, he showed out in a big way. And that, that was in the parting of the Red Sea. Moses lifted up his staff over the Red Sea. It parted in front of them. It says that it, they walked across on dry land, which is just absolutely incredible. They didn't have muddy feet when they got across, right? And they, they crossed over on dry land. And after all the Israelites had crossed, Pharaoh's army was coming after him in the middle of the Red Sea. Moses lifted up his staff again, and the water crashed down over him, drowning Pharaoh and all of his army. And uh, and the Israelites were officially delivered from the Egyptians, which is just uh, absolutely incredible how God provided. Um, and again, like you were saying, it goes to show Pharaoh's heart never really did come around. You can You can see that he was reacting to a bad situation, reacting to things not going his way, but he, he never really showed that faith. Right. If you've been following along with our previous episodes or reading on your own, keep in mind, you know, after all of this, as hard as it was, God delivered the Israelites. Yeah. He set them free and gave them a lot to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So I say that to say, if you haven't been reading along or, or listening, Hang on to that because it's going to come into play in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So now they've been delivered. They're out in the wilderness and God takes some time to establish the laws and covenants between himself and the nation of Israel. So they get to a place called Mount Sinai. God called Moses up on the mountain and gave him uh, the Ten Commandments on two stone tablets and then gave him a lot more of the law. He was up on the mountain, I believe it was 40 days, receiving the law and, and there with God. But but during this 40 days, the people at the bottom of the mountain got a little antsy waiting for him. Uh, they were saying, we don't know what happened to him. He's been up there a long time. 
And so they looked to Aaron, who was the the other leader. He was the uh, the high priest at this point. They came to Aaron and said, "Hey, Aaron, you give us a god. You you give us somebody to follow." And so Aaron said, okay, well, give me all of your gold jewelry. Give me everything there. And he melted it all down and he formed a golden calf out of it. So God sent Moses back down with the stone tablets, with the law. And he said, they're already messing this up. You need to go deal with them. And he gets down there. He's frustrated. He's mad. And he smashes the tablets that God had given him in frustration. Um, And and is, is getting on the people. But when God comes in and says, hey, I'm just going to take them out. We're going to start over. We're going to try again with you. He says, God, just forgive them. Remember, this is, uh, if you kill them out here, that's going to that's gonna be a knock on your fame. You're, that's going to be a knock on what you've been doing to this point. Um, forgive them. Let me lead them. Let me guide them to the promised land. So God does. He signs off on that. He says, Hold okay. On. So after all of this, mm-hmm. I I've just realized it doesn't mention Aaron. Aaron's a leader in this. Yeah. The people complain to Aaron and he's like, okay, let me make you a cow. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens to Aaron. Like nobody's mentioning Aaron. How could you do this? You're the leader. You were supposed to be the one to yeah. be in here in my stead while I'm up there, but you're caving right along with them. Yeah. What's your problem? Yeah. And Mo- I think Moses did. If I remember right, Moses did get on him. He 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 wrote him pretty good, but it's but there wasn't that. We'll see later in the story when uh, when the people get off track and people start veering off from God that there's some pretty harsh punishments coming down, and that that didn't happen with Aaron here, which, which is interesting to think about. But I think Moses held him accountable, but overall there wasn't that you know line drawn on the sand. Other than, don't do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> so after all this, uh, God told Moses, hey, go make two more stone tablets. Let's try this again. And uh, and he does. He the, the law is inscribed on those tablets. And they are ready to move on. And so after this, they, they've got the law now. They've got the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments. And the people came together and they built the tabernacle based on God's very specific instructions about the height and length and width and what it was supposed to look like and the materials and all that stuff. And it's just a really cool moment um, at the end of Exodus where all the people come together. They bring together these materials that they essentially plundered from the Egyptians. It's kind of a cool story we didn't talk about, but basically the people went out to the Egyptians and said, Hey, give me some of your silver and gold and your yarn and all of this, that, and the other. And the Egyptians just gave it to them right before the Passover. So when the Israelites left, they took it all with them and without having to work real hard, plundered the Egyptians. That material was then used to make the tabernacle. Uh, a lot of it was. and uh, But but everybody gave willingly. They gave what they had. They used their skills to put it all together. And, and just a really cool moment to see the community after making a big mistake with a golden calf come together and build the tabernacle. So once the tabernacle is set, God gives them some more of the law in Leviticus. If you want to hear more about that, uh, go check out that episode. But we're going to skip ahead to the setup of the nation of Israel. So they go through in numbers and they count all the different people in the tribes. And uh, they set up how they're going to march together how they're going to set up camp around the tabernacle who's on the north south east and west sides 
It establishes the Levites pulls them out as the priests uh, who are going to take care of the tabernacle and all the holy objects. And everybody's kind of got their role to play at this point. And, and it's really cool to see uh, in the book of Numbers how the organization takes place and how they're setting themselves up as a nation well before they get into the promised land. They pick out the 70 guys who are going to be leaders. They pick out leaders of each tribe um, so that um, every, everything is established here before they get there. They've got the organization um, and they're ready to go in and conquer the promised land. So then they get to the promised land. They, they march around, they have some battles, they've got some different people attacking them and stuff, but they finally make it to the edge of the promised land. And God tells them, okay, pick out 12 guys and get one guy from each of the tribes and send them in to uh, check out the land. So these 12 guys, they go in, they spent 40 days in the promised land. They're searching it out. They're looking at all the different areas, checking out the people, the produce, and they come back with the glowing reports about what this land looks like, how it's truly a land flowing with milk and honey, which just means that it's really good for crops and, and, uh, fertile for vegetation, which is great for their animals, the, uh, the sheep and livestock. So everything looks good, but there were 10 of the 12 scouts that were afraid because they thought, you know what? These people are too big. They're too strong. I don't think we're going to be able to take them on. There were two scouts that said, hey, we've got God on our side. We're good to go. That was Joshua and Caleb. And and they showed their faith in God. They said, hey, we're going to, we're, we're following the same God that parted the Red Sea, that performed the plagues in Egypt, that led us all the way to this point. We're good. As long as God is on our side, um, we're good to go. It's a reminder of the verse Romans eight thirty one. you know, if God is for me, who could stand against me, right? That was Joshua and Caleb's attitude. But ultimately the 10 that came back, um, talked to the community and convinced the community as a whole that, no, nah, we're not ready to go in there. We're not ready to do this. And so they decided, okay, we're just, we're just not going to go in. We're scared. We don't want to go do that. This isn't the first time that they've been worried about God not providing. Mm-hmm. After everything he's done for them, yeah, there has been moaning and grumbling the whole way. This is why I said earlier, hang on to the fact <laughs> that um, that God's doing all of this and and that they're they're going to be complaining, yeah, and that's what they do most of the way, much <laughs> like we do much yeah. most of all the way through life. Um, but they had so many miracles to look at. Coming through this, like you said, the Red Sea, the uh, the manna falling from heaven, the, yeah. you know, they were absolutely provided for. It may not have been exactly like they wanted it, but it was exactly like God wanted it. Mm-hmm. And their complaining and doubts finally took its toll. Yeah, yeah, and it, it like you said, it finally took its toll. It finally led to a point where God said, "Fine, if you don't want the promised land." You're not going to get it. And uh, the adult generation, basically everybody that had been an adult in Egypt and that he had led all the way up to this point, he said, you guys are not going in the promised land. That You're not going to get this thing that you've been striving for. And the people spent the next 40 years out in the wilderness. And so at that point, Moses and Joshua and Caleb were... Uh, still going to be allowed in because they still had faith. They were still following God, but, but the rest of the community was out, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, 
history just repeats itself. So Moses at that point, they they're going around the wilderness. They're just about to the end of the 40 years. Uh, it seems like, and people are grumbling about water. God tells Moses, go speak to the rock here and, and I will provide the water that the people need. Well, Moses gets over there and out of frustration and anger with the people grumbling at him, he goes and doesn't speak to the rock, but he hits it instead. And he, he makes comments like, why do we have to do this? Why are we always the ones who are having to do this? And in that moment, his pride and his anger overflowed. And God told him there, now you're not going to enter into the promised land either. Because yeah, essentially your your faith weakened and you were, your pride and anger overcame in this moment uh, when you were leading the people. And so Moses was also not allowed to enter. Um so right there at the at the very end of the story, uh, we see Joshua, who's been Moses' protege all along. He's now going to be the guy that leads the people into the promised land after Moses passes and they're ready to enter in. And that's a good thing, too, because Joshua was one of the ones that had faith in God to mm-hmm. provide for him. And, and um, so he seemed to be the perfect choice to uh, either between him or Caleb. But mm-hmm. is Caleb even mentioned anymore? Yes. So Caleb is the leader of Judah, and he also enters into the promised land. So that's the recap of everything we've come to from the beginning of Exodus to Numbers. Yeah. To the end of Numbers. Very quick recap, like we promised. (laughs) If you want the details, go back and listen to those 12 or so episodes. And uh, that brings us to the question, because this is why we do this. So how does all of this going on in Moses' life point to Jesus. You know, when we look at when we look at the story of the Bible and God's story through history, you know, one of the one of the reasons we're doing this chronological study is we want to show how everything points to Christ. And you know, one of the things that that we talked about a little bit in this recap is that everybody has a chance of salvation because it's all about a heart issue. It's all about the heart. And so really today, how does it point to Jesus is the simple gospel message that, you know, God created everything perfect. He created everything so that we could have a perfect relationship with him. Um, that's his desire is to have a relationship with us. But unfortunately, sin entered the world and we see it all throughout Moses' story in him and the people that, you know, nobody's perfect. Sin's been around since Adam and Eve, uh, all the way back at the beginning. And it's been here ever since. And, and so it's, it's been a, a common thread through history and that sin breaks relationship with God. He's holy and perfect. He is, um, well to be holy is to be set apart. Um, and so because God does not have sin, sin separates us from him. He is holy and set apart from sin. And so it separates us in our relationship with him, but he didn't leave us out there to battle it on his own. He sent his son, Jesus to live a perfect sinless life and die on the cross for us so that he could be the punishment for our sins, the once and for all sacrifice, so that we don't have to be good enough because we can't be. Jesus, of course, rose again three days later and uh, establishing himself as Savior and as Lord over all of creation, over everything, as the eternal King. You know, the reality is, like I said, we can't earn our way into salvation. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But there's good news. It doesn't take anything that we have to do. There's no checklist. There's no special things that we have to do to earn our way into heaven. It's all about 
our heart, and it's all about faith. If we put our faith in him for our salvation, we will be saved. Romans 10.9 puts it this way, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. It's all about the heart issue. And and so I just want to um, encourage you with that. We see that all throughout the story of Moses. We're going to see it throughout the rest of the Old Testament when we get into the New Testament as well, that our salvation is all about, it's all about your heart, all about faith in Christ. If you have any questions about that, reach out to us, uh, social media, or send us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. That's why we're here and doing this ultimately is to get the good news of the gospel out there and, and to tell you about, to tell you about the great news that, that is. Agreed. Completely. This is usually the spot where we would go into what's happening in the rest of the world. Um, but, you know, we've talked about it so many times. We're, we're still in the Bronze Age. Mm-hmm. We're still in the beginning of time. I mean, uh, no, not time. <laughs> but we're still in the beginning of almost kind of creation, really. I mean, how many... Do we know how many years since Adam and Eve spans from then to now? I'm, so I'm not sure exactly how long it's been since Adam and Eve. Um, we could look back at that. But, but from a... I mean, recorded history standpoint, I mean, we just don't have a whole lot there. We we kind of know from some of the artifacts and stuff about some of the big cultures like the Egyptians, some of the Canaanite cultures that we've talked about. But yeah, the recorded history is pretty minimal at this point. Yeah. I mean, we are in the Bronze Age. You know, yeah. it's not like there's a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I think people are, well, I mean, obviously with the Ten Commandments and everything, people are still writing on stone tablets. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, paper's not a thing yet. Yeah. You know, electronic tablets certainly aren't a thing yet. <laughs> so we don't really have a whole lot that's going on, I don't think, in the rest of the world right now. It's really around this area that the bulk of things... We've mentioned the start of the Chinese dynasty mm-hmm. in other areas. We've start, You know, there are other things happening... But with all of the miracles and everything going on here, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to focus on anywhere else. Right. <laughs> there's there's a lot of big stuff happening here. Yeah. Uh, so, instead of talking about what's going on in the rest of the world this episode, let's go back to an old favorite. <laughs> the outside looking, inside looking out. <laughs> I haven't done this one in a while. I love it. So... I'll take the outside looking inside perspective since that's where I have come from over the years mostly. I couldn't see before Christ, before the church, before everything that I am so involved in now, how any of this could have been remotely possible. Hmm. As I said just a few seconds ago, there's a ton of miracles happening here. We got pillars of fire. We got people following clouds. uh, We got Red Sea being parted, not to mention all the plagues going on in Egypt. Right. Um, We've got so many things that God's doing. It's easy to be skeptical about that if you yeah. don't have the Holy Spirit to really show you that it is that it could be true. Mm-hmm. Um, I've since come to understand that it's God. <laughs> yeah, He can do anything He wants to. Yeah, just because we don't see these kinds of miracles happening today doesn't mean. They didn't happen back then. Right. Could you imagine if that kind of stuff happened today, <laughs> how this world would just flip on its end? Right. Right. Uh, the We panic over the smallest things. And to see a parting of the Red Sea today. Yeah. You know, let's say the Gulf of Mexico decided to part <laughs> um, so people could walk through it. 
we would lose our ever loving minds. Right. <laughs> I, I don't I don't blame God for not doing that kind of stuff today. Right. And we've mentioned it before, we're so busy. We don't take the time to see God. We don't take the time to look for him. Yeah. So why should he reach out to us in such a blatant way if we're not even taking the time to look? Hmm. People were looking for him back then. We had people like Moses and Aaron and Joshua who were really trying to, even reluctantly, show people who God was. Yeah. We have pastors today. We have Christians today that do that. And many do a great job. But as Christians, we can do so much better showing the rest of the world like yeah. Moses did. Um, but I get it. Even even myself, sometimes I have doubts. Sometimes I have fears of being rejected or mm-hmm. um, not wanting to push people away. But it's still something that we have to do. And that's why we do this podcast. We want yeah. to make sure that we're trying to get out to as many people as we possibly can with God's message. And with the talents that God has given us, we feel like this is the best way to do it. Yeah. Not everybody has the evangelical talent of knocking on doors and asking if you know who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if we can get this podcast out to those who don't know who he is, it might spark some intrigue or interest to look deeper. Yeah. That's our hope. Yeah. Yeah, and from the inside looking out perspective, you know what what we see through throughout the story of Moses is a consistent theme that it's all about faith. It's all about faith in God. And and for us today it's all about faith in Christ, right? That that he is that he is our salvation, that um his once and for all sacrifice on the cross was was all we needed. And you know, we see God do big things there because people believe that he could do big things and it's a it's a challenge to our faith today to pray big to pray for big things to happen to Mm -hmm. to call on him to do big things to believe that he can you know a lot of times i think we put god in a box of you know what we understand to be scientifically possible and what we understand to be um medically realistic and you know so many times um we we short ourselves of what God can do because our faith isn't there. And so, and, and I say that as, as a guy who's been a Christian for a long time and, you know, has prayed to God over situations and all of that. And, and I, I want to encourage you as, as Christians out there, or if you're listening to this, you're not sure where you're at. Think big, pray big, believe that God can do it. Pray assuming that God's going to do it. He, the answer may be no, and that's okay. But pray, assuming that God can and will move in mighty ways and, and just watch and see what happens. See, see how he can do big things. Yeah, it may not be parting of the Gulf of Mexico, but I guarantee you, you put your faith in him. He's, he's going to do something big with you. He's going to use you in a mighty way. I was watching a TV show last night. I've always heard God has one of three answers. Yes, no, or wait. Yeah. On the TV show last night, and, and some of y'all might recognize this. It's not the most appropriate show, but the storyline <laughs> is fantastic. It was said that God has one of three answers. Yes, not yet, or I have something else in mind. Hmm. I thought that was really cool the way they put that. Yeah. So, just because the answer is no, doesn't mean God doesn't have what's best for you right? in mind. 
Yeah, and I think that's such an important perspective to have and, and to remember is that a no from God means that he's got a different plan. That doesn't mean that what you asked for was bad or wrong or anything like that. It just means that there's something else better out there. And so that, and that's part of having faith, right? I guarantee you the Israelites, if they got to have their way of how to get out of Egypt, how to get into the promised land and all that, the way that they went is not how they would have gone, No, (laughs) but God had something better for them. And who had faith all along the way? Moses led them all the way through that. Joshua showed his faith. Caleb showed his faith. And they stayed with God and they followed him through. And ultimately, Joshua and Caleb got to enter the promised land and enjoy in the promises that God gave them because they understood God's got a better way. God's got a reason for everything we're going through. And so, just, yeah, just as an encouragement, hold on to that. You know, so bad things happen. Sin is in this world. It, I, I get it. We, we all deal with stuff, but just know that said the answer is no it's okay it means it's either a not yet or it's there's something better out there you just gotta wait that's right well that's gonna do it for this episode Mm -hmm. next week we're gonna go through the whole book of joshua and we're gonna talk about how he leads the people in the promised land and distributes the lands to the tribes so y'all come back for that matt get us on out of here if you have any comments, questions, or concerns about today's episode, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. Just let us know what you think. Be sure to check us out on social media and keep up with the latest from Simplify Jesus. We like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter. Comment, like, share, keep up with all the latest stuff we've got going on there. You can also keep up with the latest at www.simplifyjesus.com as we roll out new podcast episodes and we've got different things going on. That's where you'll be able to find that. And finally, if you're looking for uh, where to listen to this podcast, let us know if you can't find us. But you can always just ask Alexa to say, hey, Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast and you'll find us there. And with that being said, you guys have a great week. Take care, everybody.